Hey everybody, so apparently my idea of using the Tarrasque, but specifically the Tarrasque spawning Tarrasque, uh, didn't go well uh, last session. And, uh, you know, I just really wasn't expecting that TPK, but uh, in hindsight, well, I, I can see where I may have fucked up. Anyway, session's canceled. Uh, welcome back. It is us again. I am your host for the week, Isaiah, and I'm here with Josh. I'm here also. Pop quiz, what does TPK stand for? Uh, um, wait, do you actually not know? No, of course I fucking know. Okay, I was like, this is combat. <laughs> what did you just say, Matt? Also, hi, I'm Matt. I'm here. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, that works. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> also, if your players are fighting a Tarrasque level five, that's kind of on them. You know, they should have they should have played better. Who said anything about yeah, you know, five? like they they should have known. They should have yeah. known when I started playing the Godzilla theme that maybe just maybe <laughs> they should have uh, turned tail and run. I don't think Isaiah said anything about a level. No, I just added that in. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to be. All if right. you throw the Tarrasque at your players at level five, you are fucking unit <laughs> i told you guys about the, the the one puffin force story he told where like they uh they were doing one of those events for adventure league and like somebody pulled the deck of many things or something and accidentally got a terrasse summoned on them I, and then another player wished for the terrasse to go to another table or some shit i mean i don't remember I you telling you referenced this like two episodes ago i don't yeah. remember this ever being mentioned but also the terrasse coming out of the deck of many things is definitely not a thing it came out somewhere. I don't remember. There is a scroll of summoning Tarrasque in. Oh, maybe that was uh, I it. I think it's fucking uh, Tomb of yeah. Annihilation. Yeah. Which I'm not gonna lie, that's it's a pretty Chadly magic item. <laughs> pretty funny, <laughs> fucking. It's old as Eric. You imagine it's like, yo, you find a, a scroll, and the character's like, okay, I, I, I read the scroll. Then you have to ask them that question, that question that every DM wants to ask, which is, do you read it aloud? And that mm -hmm. player looks at them and goes, yes. And then you go, yes, I do. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> Sarah's uh, just yeah. like, listen, I put my flask, uh, my, uh, yeah, my flag three in the terrace, and I put the terrace in a scroll, and I just keep it in my back pocket, safekeeping. <laughs> and so, like, Sarah, why are you like this? Uh, and then he laughs and disappears. Yeah. Fingers before finger of death. Theme. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, before we get into it, Josh, do you want to do you want to do the thing? <gasps> like ass. It's been so long. Uh, it's been a week, Matt. It's been a week. <laughs> and hopefully for you listening, it's also only been a week. It's been now hit this. Matt, don't. I was on a float. I you motherfucking <laughs> son. Come on. That's wild. I can't believe you did that to me. Anyway, I, just I, ignore Matt and hit the follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening on or share us with a friend if you are ever have already done so. Damn it. That fucked me up. Killed my whole group. <laughs> he threw off my groove. You threw off the emperor's groove. You're going out the window, Matt. <laughs> Avalard, cut off his balls. <laughs> Correct. Cut off his balls. Well, um... As you, dear listeners, can probably assume, uh, this week's episode is actually sort of piggy banking off something I had done about two weeks ago. Piggy banking? Uh, that, yeah, uh, piggy backing. Mm. Look, uh, we all got a bit of the brain stupid today. I'm exhausted. Uh, I'm a flawless genius. 
Oh really? You, yes. you just did, did Matt not just mess you up and, and throw up the phone, as you said? <laughs> that was Matt's fault, not mine. But if you were flawless, does that not imply that Matt could not have done that to you? No, because the flaw is Matt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just Matt's whole existence. I don't know, boss. Yeah. Just Matt as a human being. Mm. no sabe. Anyway, uh, piggybacking off of what you talked about uh, about two weeks ago. Yeah. This week, I'm gonna, if I yawn again, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Just be less tired. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, shame on me, truly, for not having uh, slept enough. In- infinite energy storage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this week, we're talking boss battles before I yawn again. And, boss uh, weapons! Close, the thing before the boss weapons. I know. I just, I had to, it, I had to do that at least once. Fair enough. You got boss weapons? Boss weapons! Well, it's a good... Yeah, that, that is something I actually uh, wanted to bring up. Why does D&D have boss weapons? <laughs> that, um, but mainly, like, boss loot. Because, like, really, let's be honest with ourselves. Abelard, take his balls. Abelard, blast his cock off. <laughs> and then take his balls. <laughs> and then take his balls. <laughs> Abelard, blast his balls out the air, uh, airlock. <laughs> out the airlock? Oh, God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's fine. You just you just pinch his scrot in like a door hatch and then let the airlock do its thing. Oh, oh my god! god. I'm just Why? Like, you know the you know the, <laughs> the all right. It's not an actual thing, but you know the thing where like kids or teenagers would like you know put their dicks in the vacuums. You're like, oh, this is like no. a great blowjob, and then it's like opposite. It's like very bad idea. Do not do that. So now I'm just imagining a bunch of astronauts in space, bored one day, being like, yo, man. I'm gonna put my dick in between the airlock vent and it's gonna be the greatest suck ever and just gets his whole body like slurped out of him through his cock. Oh my god, Matt! You know that thing where kids put their dicks in vacuums? No, Matt, I can't say I do. No, I can't say I do. I can't say I do know that thing. Are you gonna ask if I've ever done that? No. No. no, no, I'm not saying you've ever done that. I'm just saying you've ever heard, you know, teens and stuff as a kid, you know, Sticking your boy. dicks in the vacuum? Yeah, surprisingly no. very common. What do you I, mean? Is it? Did you is Matt, it? I didn't fucking do no, it. No, I didn't did do it. No. I don't believe you. No, no you got too much about this. I don't believe you. That's sus. Did you do the research? Brett, add the sus no. sound. <laughs> Give me the sussy baka. Did you well, do research on this? No, just it's a common, like a common thing. Common? Yeah. Common? Matt, I think we Maybe. need to define what What common. the fuck are they doing up in Mayapak? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's the Wild West out there, bro. <laughs> what children? Who? Like, why would you? <laughs> I'm fucking weird. Stop. I, I don't have the I'm words. I'm surprised That's you guys that. <laughs> You know that thing where kids used to stick their dicks in vacuums? Like, what do you mean? You can't just say that so casually. Well, I thought it was way more common than a pair of I don't. I'm so confused. I'm so a perplexed. Weird, I had a lot of weird friends in high school. Uh, you Apparently. Know, I fucking guess. Jesus Christ. What? Anyway. Where are we? What dimension is it? Who I don't are even you know. people? So when the boss pulls the vacuum cleaner. Oh, no. <laughs> you get the Zuck. <laughs> Suck, 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 suck. Yes. Uh, so what I was gonna say was, we all know the thing that damn that Isaiah's gets... just gonna move past this. Huh? Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. have to. Okay. I, I'm gonna yawn again, and if I okay. do, I'm I'm, right. I'm actually gonna have Abelard take my balls. Ugh. Um. 
the thing that everyone really, really wants, right, when you're playing D&D is you want loot. And there's no better loot than boss loot, right? Right, when you, when you, when you, you know, Abelard cut off his balls, the dragon, you want the loot that comes with it. And in um, some cases, like our friend, like, uh, y'all remember Warlock, uh, when we were playing the Fire Emblem campaign, he absolutely pulled an Abelard on two dragons, two at the same time, and it was uh, fascinating. I mean, really. <laughs> I may be slightly contend the point that y- y'all want loot. Like, I don't know that I necessarily always care that much about the loot, if I'm being entirely honest. Well, it's part of the reward loop, right? Like, you do the dungeon fucking boss to get the loot, do more dungeon fucking, you know, like. Like it, it, I would it, say, not every dungeon it is does need a boss, but it, it but it is cool when there is a boss of some sort at the end of a dungeon. Well, I I would I, go as far as to say that I feel a little <laughs> like robbed if we do like a big ass dungeon and there's no boss <laughs> at the end of it. You're like, what? yeah, there there sh- it so does close. feel like there should be some kind of ending conflict. Which it doesn't even uh, necessarily have to be a fight, I don't think. I think there just needs to be an ending conflict thing. It could be like a complicated yeah. puzzle or some sort of negotiation scene with the fucking Dark Lord or some shit. You know, mm-hmm. Lord Darkamon. Josh and puzzles? What? Never. I mean, correct, but, you know. Um, but I don't know that I need loot per se. You know? Uh, I guess it depends on the situation of like what you're fighting the boss. Like, are you like what I did with my players where they just got ambushed by the frost giant that turned to a stronger frost giant that turned to an adult dragon. Mm. Was there no loot at the end of that? Um, Actually, I did upgrade one of my players weapons because he had one of the teeth. So, yeah, I guess there was loot at that one. I mean, but. I no, guess on certain instances, like, like, let's say I didn't reward that, like, as an ambush, like, and it just happens to be, like, I don't know, an Omega uh, Assassin. That's such a big shit. boss. Yeah, I mean, that's such a big event. I'd be like, if we did that and I was like, I loot, I loot the giant dragon, and you're like, there's nothing, I'd be like, no. It's your, no it was all not. paper mache. It's all hollow. Where's my fucking, where's my Holy <laughs> Avenger mat? And you're like, there isn't one. Like, is there gold? And you're like, no. I'm like, uh, is there is there like a, a, a star colored pointy hat? You're like, no, I'm just I'm star pointy. <laughs> I mean, I guess I I guess the best way to put it is I don't necessarily need there to be loot, but I need there to be a payoff. There needs to be a reward loop. Right. Yeah. A payoff of some kind, I guess, would be how I would put it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, uh, does there need to be a reward? Hmm. Well, there has to be a reward loop of some kind, right? Because there's no point, like, yeah, there well, are it's some not... people where the reward loop is the roleplay. Sure. But, like, as much as yeah, people like it's... to roleplay, there, there is absolutely a level of, like, well, what do we get out of it? Right? Like, something something tangible that you get out of it, be it, like, gold or magic items or... or mm-hmm favors for NPCs or like just a trophy from the monster. There's got to be something there. Because if there's yeah. nothing, it's there's there's a very tangible oh, role like, play. What are we role doing play this for? stuff could be the reward though. It could be a fictional like 
we did X, Y, or Z thing for for X, Y, or Z NPC, and they're gonna slap us a crisp high five later down the road or whatever. You know? Yeah, that could be also just a good character moment, like uh, I don't know, getting revenge on my father or whatever. You know, like I I wasn't expecting to get a sword out of it. I did, but like even if I didn't get the sword, I'm like I got the satisfaction of revenge. Yeah. Well, so like in in that instance, yes, true. You got the satisfaction of revenge, but like there is also a level of like physicality to being like, oh, great. I can now take that boss's weapons or that boss's items or his corpse and just mount it on the front of my car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it doesn't have to be physical, but there has to be a reward. Anyway, that's not really what this episode's about. It's about boss fights in general. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, we did go. Which is to say, there was a little bit of a rabbit hole there. Yeah. Uh, all of that to say, boys, boys to men. Mm. That girl is boys. Anyway, uh, I don't know why I got just locked in. I that take one. contention um, with the statement that I am a man, <laughs> <laughs> and not in I the wish like to be a badger. Uh, no, no, badger. in the in no, okay. no, in the sense that uh, I'm just I'm just a little small, frail little bitch boy. I don't I don't I don't think I qualify as a man. Josh in person is like five foot nine and is quite ripped. I'm not versus I'm. Never mind. I was about to say I'm not are, five are nine. You, I am. I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah, I remember you I saying you're, you were five nine. <laughs> you I was like, are you lying to me? No, you know what it was? Is because I thought you were about to say a bigger number, so my brain just defaulted to being like, no, I'm not. But then you said my actual height. I went, uh, 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 uh. either way, I would have just been like, take the W. I, yeah, I. I could have been like, yeah, Josh, five eleven, and in your head, there's a part of you, you're like, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> I could it though. Those are called dubs. We take those. I'll take the other one though. Uh, take the other half of that. Hmm. <laughs> uh yes boys what i have to ask you i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like boss fights thoughts, <laughs> I'm, thoughts. Gonna, I'm actually gonna be a little more on point today uh-huh. um uh as a general question and i've already answered this about a million times i'll reiterate it for anybody who may be picking up on this episode you fucking psychopath uh it's not that weird actually what what to you makes an interesting boss fight. What aspect of a boss fight do you dial in on to make you go, I'm satisfied with this. My players will be satisfied with this. Um, I've done a good job in some way. Uh, I need to ask a slight clarifying or, or a, a, not a clarifying, but a honing down question a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say interesting boss fight, Are we just talking about the event of the fight itself? What makes that particular part of it interesting? Because you can sort of include the before and after potentially. So are we not talking about the before and after in this particular instance? In this particular instance, no, I'm, I'm saying, okay, what, uh, so just the fight what as a self-contained theme, yeah, unit. What, yeah, what the mechanics, the themes, what the phases, the bag of hit points, like what what is that thing that you really go like, this is my thing that I'm good at doing when I'm designing boss fights that I enjoy. Well, I don't think I do particularly good boss fights, so we're not going to answer that question. But um, okay. hmm. 
I, I, this is sort of, this is going to feel like a non-answer. But like the, the boss fight is good when there's a real tug of war between the sides, which is to say there's some parts of the fight where it's like, oh shit, we're getting fucked up. And then there's some parts of the fight where the players go, we are absolutely whooping that ass. Like, I think yeah. a flow back and forth between that those tension points is tends to be what makes a boss as a, a boss fight as a self-contained thing feel interesting. Again, not talking about what comes before and after necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. But how you get to that, I think there's lots of options to getting to that. And I think all of them, because, you know, you could have like, because you could have a crazy battlefield. You could have really just wacky abilities. You could have a monster who's just an absolute slap machine and, you know, the damage or whatever is just wacky woohoo times. Like, there's lots of ways that you can kind of get at that tug of war feel, but I think that tug of war feel is the target. Mm. You know, if you like, if you imagine playing Dark Souls, that moment of like, I'm hitting him, I'm getting him, I'm getting him. Oh shit, he just smacked me really hard. That was a lot of damage. Oh no, yeah. okay, now I'm scared. Now I'm scared. Hold on, gotta move, gotta move, gotta move. S is flash, right? And then you go back to, okay, okay, we're back to neutral. We're back to. I'm not. I. I get. I get. It's the it's the fighting game thing where sometimes you're getting comboed and sometimes you're comboing them. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Everyone, take a shot. <laughs> as I was on, talking I my, about I it, I got my drink here. Hold on. Literally, as I was saying, did you really? So, so you were talking, and then you're like, "Oh shit, this is gonna be a fighting game thing, isn't it?" Is that it what you literally? Said? Yes, literally. As I brought up Dark Souls, I went, "Oh, it's it's the thing in fighting game." Because I said back to neutral, and then that kicked in my fighting game brain. I went, "Oh yeah." So it's that thing where it's like you're comboing and doing the sh- you know beating the shit out of your opponent, and then they beat the shit out of you, and then both of you reset to neutral, and now you're really tense because the the fight has shifted because like. Maybe you're lower on health or lower on resources. They might have more meter than you, or they might have two characters and you're down to one character. If it's a team game, you know, it's that. One of the things I've kind of noticed with, at least with 5e, is um, the last cannon bosses seem to be more fun to run. Yes, like correct. Like bosses that just yep. hit like a fucking truck, yep. but they only last like two or three rounds of combat. Because well, so like two, two or three this rounds is-, is like the perfect balance of like... So <laughs> Time this, of it's funny because this, this is literally what I said a few episodes ago about mm-hmm. Dark Souls fights and why they're so good. It it's is, because yes. they are quick and they're visceral and they're brutal and they end and start super quickly. So you don't feel like you're like, oh my God, can this fucking fight end already? Yeah. And then you die and you're like, Jesus fuck. You know, like, like before, <laughs> yeah, well, before, because uh, I've heard the whole like, just like up the damage and lower the health of a monster idea for years and i was always like oh but what about the cr but now you know now i'm like no nah, i'm just gonna do that fuck the cr fuck the math it's well, broken anyways and like it's not like i'm upping the damage by like oh this monster does uh 1d6 plus uh 1d6 fire damage uh now i'm gonna make it 20d10 and then 3d6 fire it's like there's, no there, there's other ways by like one damage die <laughs> nothing crazy right there, i mean there's <laughs> other ways you could do that too though that aren't just up the up the damage lower the health too there's there's mm. other ways to go about it but yes i i think because what it comes down to is no matter you don't want to slog for a boss fight well 
Yes, but what, what I'm saying more specifically is doing anything for an extended period of time, no matter how much it's good, no matter how good, how much it's good, no matter, I was going to say how much you like it, no matter how good it is, doing anything for too long is going to get stale just across the board, just like in life. Like, even if you really, like, even people who are really, you know, the kind of crazy people who put 5,000 hours in Warframe, you know, they can only play so much in a day before they eventually get bored of the game, right? There's a thing, like, you can't do the same thing over and over until you get to a certain point where it just doesn't matter how cool it is. It's gonna lose that interest because the human brain is built on novelty. So a boss fight going on for too long is going to lose the novelty regardless of what you do, unless it's, like, constantly changing. But if it's changing so much that the novelty is resetting, you're arguably doing kind of multiple boss fights in one fight anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that too. Uh, which is not a bad thing, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Where are we? What are we talking about? <laughs> I feel like I just went on a rant. You did? It. Um, well, it was part of the, like, what makes boss fights interesting. And, uh... Yeah. You sort of, <clears throat> to your admissions, gave a non-answer, but, like... I did, I know, I did kind of give a non I know, like I said. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, we kind of rounded off into a natural answer, like... Quick yeah, for you, it's like the novelty. Group, it's yeah. the it's the the quick, like visceral sort of feel to it. Which fair enough. Yeah. Also, if it's the monsters, like fun to yeah, run because I, there are times when you pick a boss monster, you're like, you read the stat block and you're like, oh, this is gonna be great. And then once you get into the game, it sucks running the monster. I've only, I've had that happen to me like back in the three year game a couple of times, and I was like, man, this is not fun to run my players are not having fun in this fight i am not using sap blocks like this again <laughs> yeah i i know isaiah what you were looking for was kind of a mechanical answer of what thing do you add to the boss fight to like make it interesting uh i know that's what you were fishing for there uh but uh-huh. yeah i didn't I, I don't think i have any one thing i guess is what i'm getting at it just needs what about to- okay so what about in other games it's not like 5e I think it's the same deal. Other, uh, uh, really? Yeah, I, I I think you just need that that tug of war, that back and forth, and that that changing of momentum throughout mm. the situation. Um, yeah. So I I think the mechanical thing you're looking for is balance. You want like a balanced encounter. You want there to be like a, like no! highs and lows. You don't want it to be a complete shit stomp or uh, in either well, direction. It doesn't have to be balanced per se. It could be in one favor or the other but there needs to be moments of oh no I'm concerned oh no I'm doing well oh no I'm concerned fair enough I I think I misworded that not balance is in mechanical balance but like dramatic balance yeah like you want every (laughs) of combat the situation has changed like um like well actually Josh I don't think you were here when I talked about the devil duelist boss fight I had with my players but I made him pretty, I made him a little difficult and it was a good fight. And it was on and go, like my players, they would, he would deal a fuck ton of damage to them. He'd maneuver a lot. And then Joe came in and fucking critted and, you know, Battlemaster maneuvered the shit out of the boss. Right. Then he got up next turn and he's like, okay, now it's my turn. So it was a good back and forth. And it was like every turn of combat, it flip flop between 
oh no, the devil is winning. Oh no, the players are winning. Oh no, the devil is yeah. winning. Yeah. <laughs> and it was I, a good like, oh shit, what's happening? <laughs> I think the, the, the thing is, is you really want to avoid a rut. You don't mm. ever want to be a situation. You don't ever want to be a, in a situation where the players have done the same thing three turns in a row. You know, they yeah. haven't moved. They haven't used any different ability. They've just done their same three attacks or whatever that they usually do for like three turns in a row. That means you're in a rut situation and the boss is particularly interesting because nothing is changing. Nothing's moving. Nothing. There's no back and forth there. And it doesn't even the back and forth, quote unquote, doesn't even need to be anything crazy. It could just be a players in a situation where it's like, ha ha, I have you. And then the boss like teleports away and it's like, motherfucker, where did he get what? You know, Teleports like behind you, nothing personal. Yeah, it, it it just needs to be getting out of that rut a lot of the time and and a momentum shift. You know, there was a point in I remember a particular boss fight in my game where uh, Sam's character jumped on top of a dragon because the dragon was flying around and Sam's character couldn't had no ranged options as a paladin. So he's like, all right, I'm going to jump on and Misty step onto the dragon's back. And I was like, OK, and then. Sam did his turn, and then once his turn was over, I was like, cool, the dragon uses his legendary action to teleport away uh, so that you are no longer on his back, and you uh, start <laughs> falling. <laughs> and then you plummet. Yeah, which is enough of a, a like enough of a change up to be like, ah, I was in a good position, I am now in a bad position. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you going. I was, I was, I was adjusting, uh, but yeah. Matt, is yours basically the same answer? Uh, sorry. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> the same damn. thing. Like I, because God damn. Like, <laughs> what, what is the thing that you focus on? Is it the same thing? Is it dramatic balance or? Uh, I've. It's not one answer. Unfortunately, it's like a lot of different things. It's a what's relevant for the story or what's going on in the in the in the game. Mechanically, it's like I said. You know, it's hard doesn't stay doesn't overstay its welcome is it fun to run for me as a dm uh and then also as a dm like you add your own flair to every you know creature boss villain whatever just give the boss monster a little bit of personality have it talk shit or whatever like that that kind of helps and adds a little more uh flair to the fights makes it a little more fun so there's a couple of different things that go into it uh, i well, think from all the years of watching animu and fucking uh movies and you you see how like a boss fight kind of you know should feel world of warcraft raids yeah how a boss fight should feel yeah actually it's funny you say you mentioned raiding. as a gamer it's funny you Burner. mentioned raiding matt because mm. uh often the most boring part like raids are interesting <laughs> what yeah no, I'm, la I'm laughing because you're like the most boring part uh, is actually the raid. And I was going to be like, of course. Damn. No, 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 no. No, raids are the best part of MMOs. Um, no, but often the most boring part of a raid is when you get to that. There's often a stage in the raid where you're not really doing anything other than just attacking the boss. Like 14 has this a lot where you're just attacking mm -hmm. the boss and they're just doing a lot of like raid wide damage. Yeah. And those phases, those phases tend to be between other phases where you have to be paying attention. And those are often the, the most boring chunks because your brain just goes into autopilot mode and you're like, boss is going to do that, do this, do that, do this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep attacking him. 
I don't need to pay attention, especially if you're one of, if you're the tank or the DPS, you really don't need to pay attention. And even the healers who need to pay attention a little bit more, mostly are just AOE healing anyway, so they're not paying that much attention. So yeah, those are often the, the shitty bits is when it's like, oh, nothing's really going on where we've hit like kind of a neutral state. Um, mm-hmm. But also the other thing that you said was it's kind of multiple answers. Uh, yeah, it being kind of multiple answers is why I said a really umbrella answer to cover that multiple answers problem. Because, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. <laughs> Because even if you if you really like think about it, yes, there are boss monsters, you know, air, air quotes, boss monsters in D&D in general. As soon as the game, you know, I'm going to go back to, you know, fifth edition 2014, you know, legendary monsters. They are technically those are called the boss monsters, but they're not set like they're They have the tools there where it's like, all right, here's layer actions. Here's like the regional effects. The boss gets cool legendary actions. Now you have mythic monsters uh, now. On, on top of mythic monsters, if they ever fucking bring those back. Now you have monsters that have a bazillion reactions and no legendary actions for whatever fucking reason. Like, so you have interesting, like, monsters that can do multiple things on their turn. But D&D never specifically says, and now you fight the big bad. Unless it's like the very, very end of adventure module or some shit where it's like, yeah, now you fight Shrod. And it's Which, like, okay, now you fight Oral. And you're like, by okay. the way. I think D&D should do that, and I really hate that D&D doesn't specifically call out which monsters are boss monsters. I think they should. I think think specifically they say, like, legendary monsters are technically boss monsters, but they don't say they're boss monsters. These are legendary. They are powerful. They are full of lore or whatever. I think they should go back to what 4th edition did and classify monster types where it's like, this is the bruiser. This is the frontline tank monster. This is the control monster. This is the ranged monster. This is the boss monster. Like, 4th just had that and it was a great idea and I don't understand why they threw it out. I do really enjoy with the MCDM books because that's how they do that yeah, with all their monsters. Great. And and again, I mentioned this in a couple episodes ago where I love it the helps. idea that each monster has a little paragraph called tactics. And it's yeah. like, this is how you how can like this kind of monster op- works, you know, yeah, optimally fight as the monster. You don't have to follow these rules, but here is a good tactic, you know, for uh, I don't know, hypothetical like MCDM fourth edition, not dragon. Or it's like, okay, so instead of uh, you, you open up with the, the Omega, like, fart blast, then you fly in the air 30 feet, and then the dragon has its spike attack that it can do from a range, and then there you go. Yeah, I'll say something like that. Well, I mean, yes, the, the tactics thing is good, but the, I also think the classification thing really helps, helps yeah. because it helps you design the encounter. You know, you could be like, ah, I have three frontline guys and two backline guys, you know, or like one controller guy, two range guys, and three tank guys, or like, yeah. And, and having boss monster as a tag could also help with that situation. Yeah. Like I'm reading this right now. Slight, the, this is kind uh, of a slightly different. <laughs> topic oh, sorry, I'm like, but. I'm reading the chunk in the monster manual right now. Legendary creatures, a legendary uh, creature can do things that ordinary creatures can't do. Legendary actions, special ter- actions. They take outside their turns. Um, and a few other, you know, environmental magical actions they can do, you know, layer actions. That's uh-huh. it. Nothing that these are boss monsters. Nothing that these are. Yeah. Like, see why? They don't even really say they say a legendary creature is a legendary creature. 
Like right, that doesn't, doesn't help me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't tell you anything, really. No. I mean, you can make some inferences, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, God damn it, 5e and your stupid natural language bullshit. See, I, I like that. the natural language, but I, I want I want the natural language and then afterwards, like they've been doing recently with some of their like newer feats and abilities, where it's like, here's like one sentence natural flavor language, and then here's the mechanical shit that you, you know, the ruling. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's because it's like it's nice <laughs> little like read, and you're like, okay. Well, because at the end of the day, these rule books are reference books so a reference book i need the information laid out in not natural language because it's harder to find when you lay it out in natural language that's one of the reasons it's so hard to look shit up in 5e because it's couched in the natural language so you have to fish the mechanics out of the natural language that's in the paragraph but this is a reference book i shouldn't be doing that i uh. Bah! Meh! Anyway. I say, take. Go somewhere else. Take me, <laughs> church. I was, I was just waiting. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Because I, I could rant about. That shit drives me so crazy. I could rant about it for. Okay, I was going to say. So, a, a slight inverse. Hmm? Uh, and it kind of goes into what, what Matt said um, about, like, story stuff. It is. How often do you rely on things like regional effects outside of the fight itself or the lead up to the fight? And do you like how effective do you think that regional effects are, at least as far as 5e is concerned, in sort of setting a scene for a boss fight? I feel like I should be using more regional effects as a DM because they're there. Uh, but most mm -hmm. most of the time I end up forgetting they exist and not using them at all. Some of them are pretty interesting, especially uh the newer ones for dragons from uh, my favorite book. Uh, they give them a lot more flavor <laughs> and fun. You couldn't even understand you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your mic just scuffed the shit out of there. Yeah, that Good. was so scuffed. That was hilarious. I, I keep having to whip my head across the mic to do nice, that. Nice, nice. But uh, yeah, like they add a lot more in Fizzbands. Uh, they also add like, you know, newer ones from whatever, uh, the new Planescape book and shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think they're again. It's a useful tool. I, as a DM, I don't use them. I should honestly, because some of them are cool. Some of them are neat. Some of them can set up really nice things for your for the upcoming fight, or like hint at like this is a you're entering the lair of a powerful creature. I just I don't know. Maybe as laziness. I just never end up doing it. Also, right now with Fair my enough. magic school campaign, it's a little hard. To use regional yeah. effects when yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're at school, but right. that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what you can do there, uh, I, actually, I don't bring, don't talk about this a lot, so I don't need anyone to take a shot. So we're gonna talk about fate. Um, <gasps> Nani. <laughs> and I guess because of all the shit that JJK like was inspired by when it comes to fate, like gotta say reality uh, marbles. Kind of, so sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. There's this thing in Fate called Bounded Fields, where mm -hmm. it's like you you basically declare somewhere as a domain, kind of like a domain expansion in, in JJK, mm -hmm. but things in that domain basically follow whatever rules you set for the Bounded Field. Right. So uh, there's a whole thing of like when Medusa in like the Stay Night and the Unlimited Blade Works sets up a Bounded Field in their high school, 
everyone has this feeling of like sickness and weakness and their sort of strength gets drained from them to a degree because she's Medusa and snakes are her thing, right? And she's like sucking their like mana out of them. You could do something like that where it's like, oh, you know, Orgal, I, I, I always use Orgalorg because of that fucking Adventure Time character, like the uh, space squid. Um, where he's like, oh, he's popped up and now like the entire quad uh, is like this weird shimmering death zone where everyone is like turning to stone or they feel like their body is, or they're, they're mm. sort of petrifying, like they're turning to stone or something like that. Or like all the flowers are dying. I think you can do that. And that that's like a cool, like, you know, it's like, uh, the, you're, you know, so the, the, you're, the students are like, professor, something's going wrong. And they're like, things don't go wrong inside the school. And they're like, someone set up a bounded field. And they're like, fuck. Uh, all right, no one panic. <laughs> And now they are immediately panicking. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is, yes, that is a definitely having little little pocket dimension reality nonsense is a, a thing you could do, Matt. Um, mm. I think though, let's perhaps take a step away from five E specifically in the, on this because. No. So to answer the first part of your question. In terms of using regional effects. I mean, you've been in my game. I've used them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're fine. They add a little bit of fun. But. I think. Kind of you can kind of ignore. Don't think about it the way 5e sets them up. I mean, the way 5e sets up the idea of regional effects is fine as like a training wheels version of the the better idea i think which is to say 5e is like oh there's this weird powerful creature in the area and it changes things in some sort of funky magical way and here's a couple of bullet point ideas right and then utilize these ideas when the players are within the layer of the weird thing that's changing around it mm-hmm. totally fine does the job sure that's like baby's first steps though Really, what I think you should be doing is showing how a boss creature, dragon, warlord of the land, weird, crazy lich, whatever, beholder, beholder, is influencing the area in totality. Like, really show... This creature being here has entirely changed how this area functions and take it beyond just like some of the because the regional effects in 5e are fine, but they're very basic. A lot of them take it a step further. So, for example, let's say there's a lich uh, that the players are like trying to hunt down and he lives in this tower on top of this massive hill. I <laughs> I'm kind of stealing from Black Company here. Uh, He lives on top of the big, like, castle on top of this hill. And he has this plan where he's collecting bodies to, like, do this super evil magic, you know, ritual thing to make himself a mega zombie servant or something. And the players arrive in the town where the lich is, you know, present. Like, the lich is up in the mountain overlooking this town and all of the people there 
act a little vacant, like they're sort of zombie-like already, and they're doing stuff that seems a little odd, but, well, I don't know, maybe they just are really depressed or something, and then you find out, oh, a couple of the town's members are digging up graves and selling bodies to somebody, but nobody knows who, like, really build that influence out into, like, a full adventures worth of a thing and that's where i think regional effects go from like a fun little idea to like a big cool memorable thing you know they're selling the bodies to the lich for his evil plan he's like draining their life force so everyone acts in a very peculiar manner so anytime they try to interact with npcs in this town it's really difficult also there's like these patrols of undead that they have to deal with at night that the townspeople don't actually know where they're coming from like really build out like an adventure out of it, you know, if you want it to be a really memorable, powerful boss creature. You know what what I'm saying? You know, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and you are are literally touching on something I was just about to bring up. Okay, well. um, Which is, at least as far as 5e is concerned, I think there's like a tragic lack of use in, in regional effects because they do so much work for you. They're very... They're very surface level. Like, well, I think that's all you need sometimes, right? Like, I, and I, because I agree, it is very surface level, totally. But I think that surface level understanding gives you a lot of really interesting ideas to play with. It helps you branch off, you know. Well, that's that's why I like, said uh, that, that's why I said they're training wheels, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Regional I, I, effects I, well, I are if- are are sort of baby's first steps into this idea but you should expand beyond them because they're yes, not. Yes, I agree. There's more there. There's a lot more potential there. Yeah. Um, so the game is, uh, is giving you a, a like a jumping off point, I uh, guess. Yes, yeah, because I, I actually, I've, so every major boss fight I've done in my game, I've used the regional effects, either mm. made them up or just found ones or, or hodgepodge them together. Hmm. Not only because I want the like direct area around the fight to be cool, but it I I've at least for me it's always helped me extrapolate and set scenes really well, which I think is really important, right? It's like yeah. ah yes, you're in the cave, and then a red dragon shows up, and you're like, <laughs> like I didn't even get a hint, didn't see any bones, didn't see yeah, any yeah. You well, know, guards like, welcome, like come on, and that and I think that leads to another thing that I wanted to talk about, which is is. I think a big part for me of what makes a boss fight interesting is the preparation for the fight. I think a lot of the times when you're playing in games, there's like, like you you sort of get a feel for what's going on, right? Like if you're on a ship and then someone does the, the, someone does the, the parts of the Caribbean, like the, right? You're, you're, you can be feel pretty confident that it's either going to be like a Kraken or an abolith, right? Like, but that's just sort of you being there because you need to be there, and that's kind of the only context you're getting. But I think something really cool that that a lot of people miss out on is the buildup and the strategy because of the buildup, right? Like, if you're in the water and you're and let's say you're like you're sailing from one island to the next, and you start seeing like as you're sailing, like corpses kind of floating and like you can sort of describe how there, there's seagulls kind of fly, flapping around in circles and then you see like a corpse and then some some 
driftwood come by and then it, it's immediately the players are like fuck something's going on here i don't know boss you know and then you yeah. can it, depending on what you do you can help sort of build out right if you if the if one of the boss fights is like uh, uh, a dragon turtle you can tell them just as a passing comment just like a nothing comment be like you know amidst all the driftwood you see a, like a small not even an island like a little inlet mm. 50 miles out basically on the horizon line mm. and you point it way in front of them just like leading up the trail so they're now they're thinking okay either something's at that inlet that inlet is something or we just have to avoid that area and then the next day comes and then there's more ships and the players are like what the fuck is going on and the captain's like oh well this is a pretty popular like trade route so it's not surprising to see ships it's just surprising to see them in pieces and then as they're just you know as as the players are investigating someone goes you know one of the players makes a perception check and it's like you see that inlet again all the way out on the other side of the boat and then the players are like okay either that thing is moving or we're sailing in circles both are bad and then they can start asking and then it goes around right and now you start being like it's if it's not a dragon turtle and it's like a kraken you can do like the the pirates of the caribbean like a like sort of a pull in the tide i'm not going to do this whole scenario but it it you can allow the players to put the pieces together themselves and start planning accordingly for the fight. Will they yeah. do it? Yeah, fucking big maybe. You know, they could just be like... <laughs> Solid baby. Because a lot of players do this too. It's not all on the DM. A lot of players, when something starts going wrong, the players just buckle themselves in like they're on a roller coaster and yes. brain no worky. And they're just like, well, we're just going to hit it till it dies. And then that can go terribly for them or that can go fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I, it, I think it, it puts the onus on the players as well to start putting things together and their well, preparedness is what can make a fight super interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're basically just giving a, a more specific example of what I was saying, where you're building, building out a, a, an adventure hook, essentially from the boss monster itself, as opposed to building an adventure inward and then deciding on a boss at the end. You have a boss idea and then you build out the rest of it from that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Like I said, I, yes, that is absolutely what I said. What I was. Yeah, um, which is that's it, why I said you touched on what I was going to talk about. Yeah, which then becomes when you think about it is sort of the 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 more advanced master's degree version of regional effects. <laughs> yes. It's very good. It's also very fun. Uh, just I nothing chaps. I was going to chaps my khakis. Usually something I say was something bad. Nothing gets me going like when Russell's when one ca- when one player yeah when nothing rustles by Jimmy is when a player that's also kind of bad though anyway <laughs> yeah catches on to something and right, immediately right. like Christ like yeah, 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 like yeah. yes mm-hmm. yes sow the seeds of panic yes <laughs> yeah. for me it's almost always Ant who's like fuck and then like, yeah bonus points bonus points if you've sowed the seeds well enough that they. They figure out uh, a weakness or a strategy or an exploit pre- preemptively before fighting the boss. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. great. That's, you know. Yeah, if it's, like, if it's like, oh, this lady's got two little pinpricks on her neck and someone, it, 
like cuts to somebody immediately just sharpening stakes like yeah nope, like, it's I a know what that is. <laughs> i'm not playing with this hey yeah, someone got yeah. silver coins like why do you need silver coins starts melting down silver <laughs> yeah. coating swords with it i actually i did that in the in my first campaign a few times actually uh because you know you often players have an ass load of silver pieces just as change for their goal yeah, 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 yeah. so i i remember once i melted down like a hundred silver pieces which is a lot of money <laughs> that's like someone's weekly wages uh yes. for like a decent paying job um yeah i just melted the bitches down to i i coded like a couple swords i made about two dozen silver bullets you know i'm gonna say bullets i mean like musket ball bullets uh mm. and, it, and i was like prepared it was very very funny um i think i also made a couple scrolls of daylight because i was like nope everyone's like, like i mean it's a vampire right how bad it could it be and my character's like no you don't shut up that. shut up don't say those words don't put that in the universe <laughs> yeah, don't put that on me i think no. uh i think i mentioned this in the three-year game videos where like the the early beholder fight my players had where they're like the, they're in the lair and it's just full of stone statues and immediately they're all like oh Oh no, we're gonna fight a Medusa. This is horrible. And then they're like, they find out from an NPC. It's like, no, actually, it's a beholder. He just really likes making sculptures. And she's like, oh, this is even worse. You just you like trick your players, thinking it's like he a layer of one monster statues. and that's another. Yeah, he just likes to. You can do that you know, for sure. They, yeah. they have that petrification beam, so it's like, yeah, might as well use it. I think one of the, my favorite ones I did, setting up a boss fight at least. And this took a lot of cooperation on the players, and I'm so proud that they all did it. Was, uh, it was basically like an elder, like an outer god thing. It, it like, took the form of a man, but it, like, didn't look right. It was, like, weird and veiny. and, and had, on, like, baby. It looked like Venom insofar as its overall build, and, like, it's like the weird inky black with the white veins. In one of the regional effects, I don't remember what monster I took this from because I did take it from something, but it's like, or no, 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 no. It, I remember what this was because I talked about this on podcast. It was the, uh, like, oh, what is it called? It's like an, it's a zone where a lot of one emotion happens, like, like a lot of death and then people are angry. You know what I'm talking about? God, I don't remember what book it was from. Uh, um, not a I think it was Tasha's. Or uh, a Nightwalker? No, no, no! It's not a. It's not like a monster. I took a regional, like, like an, an overworld effect, and I boiled it down into a regional effect. Uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I idea. know it's in Tasha's because I, it, I. Hey, Tasha's. Tosh yes, Tasha's had this. Hold on, now I. Well, you're talking about you're talking about the like um, the special. Oh, like the special ones, phenomenons yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yes. those are yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like those. I'm, I'm actually going to be using uh, those pretty soon in one of my in the, the current used, dungeon. Yeah, I, I play those like twice. Yeah, they're fun. They are. They're super neat. Yeah, what the um, fuck are they called? Still want to use the mimic colony at some point. I Ma just yeah, don't magical know phenomenon. The yeah. Eric called specifically I, I literally just said it magical phenomenon no no yes oh like the, the general like term really is specific. magical phenomenon but the specific thing he's looking for the specific magic. one 
Eldritch storms, emotional echoes. Emotional that's what echoes, they're called. Enchanting spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I turned the emotional echoes thing into a regional effect. Um, and it, like, because the, one of the boss's abilities was to like take over people's minds. So I had done a lot of like sowing the seeds of you're not really in control right now. And I know, um, I can't remember which one Ant had. I think he had uh, hatred. And he was pulling no punches. Like, his character just said some out of pocket shit. And I was like, Wilden. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, to the like to the point where I was like, is he taking this too far? But everybody else was playing into it. And I was like, oh my god, it's working. Holy shit. I, I'm the guy. I'm the mad scientist. Like, guys, guys, it's working. Holy shit. Holy god. Someone write this down. Write this down. <laughs> write this down. Write this down. We need to do this again. Um, I, I think like I know one of the characters had like doubt. And it was just this like. It was it's the it's the the really severe kind of doubt where it, it feeds into like anxiety, but not quite fear. Mm. It's just like, I, I can't. No, we can't. We can't do it. Nope. Like, why can't we do it? So like, we just can't. You don't understand. Shut up. You're dumb. We, just can't. we can't do it. Like, it, it just was this, like, it was crazy. And everyone was, do- I think the only one who didn't have that issue was, I think Snubby's character. No, no, no. Because Snubby's was boldness and her character was already like hyper bravado. So just doubled. It was great. Anyway, all of this to say is, is like, it was really, it, it, it worked well as far as I, I think. Um, and I think I, I, it was really interesting and yeah, neat. Kind of that whole point kind of went nowhere, but I just wanted to gush about. This. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Fair enough. I think. I was gonna say you got to You got to transition out of that, or I I don't. I'm trying to recollect my uh-huh. thoughts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. How about them Yankees? And it's not yeah, about the Yankee yeah. Spider-Man. It's all about the Mets, baby. All about the Mets, all baby. About the Mets, baby. Not about the money, Spider-Man. It's not about the money. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, running out no of vampire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Josh, we kind of have your answer, but I was going to uh-huh. say, is there any boss fights that you particularly enjoyed or think you did well? Or one that you had an idea that maybe didn't work the way you wanted it to, but you really wanted to like maybe try that idea again, mechanically speaking. <laughs> Still a quote from Scrubs. Uh, what was your best moment in medicine? <laughs> yeah, well, because you said you don't think you've done good boss fights, which I don't agree with. Oh, but. um, I mean, out of all the poopy ones, which one was the yeah, least yeah, yeah? Poopy? Which was the least poopy? Um. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, man, wow. Mm. You want me to? You want me to vamp for a while uh, while you think of it? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I'll, no. I'll, I'll, this is bisexual. Least, yeah. Mm. Shut up, um, Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I, like I mentioned, the three-year videos, uh, the Garion fight. I think that was that was pretty good. Lots of minions. It was high. It was high level, level eighteen 
I think it was eight. I said 18. I don't remember. It's been forever in those videos. Um, you know, he hit hard. Had him, I gave him a mythic phase, had a lot of minions, uh, teleported a lot, which uh, annoyed the fuck out of the players. So it was funny for me. Uh, currently in this campaign, uh, I've only had a few, like a handful of bosses. One of them was the devil fight recently. Uh, before that, uh, the one I really liked was I actually did the, uh, and I mentioned this a couple of times on podcast that the article by James Hake on D&D Beyond, the epic house rules attack its weak point. Uh-huh. I did that for um, an Umber Hulk. And that that fight ended up being really, really cool. My players, because uh, it, it was a double whammy because the Umber Hulk, they had the whole confusion ray. So like, uh-huh. if you look at it, you basically, you're standing there confused and dazed and you're not doing anything and it's invulnerable. So it basically can't take, it nearly, you know, it doesn't take any damage. And I think my players fought that when they were like level four or five. So it was pretty, pretty tough. Yeah, yeah definitely. Especially like, because easy damage is, is, you take that away from early from like low level players. They're just like, shh, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that being, honestly, I think that thing is way more effective at, at low to medium level mm-hmm. than it is at high level. Because at some point, like a, a high level player is going to be like, DM, what do you mean Finger of Death didn't work? And you're like, okay, yeah. just, I mean, I, just didn't work. Okay? Just didn't work. I mean, I did um, <laughs> uh, on the, the 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 dragon boss for the three-year game, and that that worked out pretty okay. Like, I mean, the, again, players were high level, so they were able to pass the, the find the weak spot check within, like, two fucking turns. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But uh, if I up the DC, maybe, but that, that wouldn't have been fun. So I, yeah, I mean the the one thing I think you would you, I mean I don't know I've never done it so I'm I'm not gonna presume, but yeah, I think the I thing mean, that I think maybe really makes the, the attack its weak yeah. point, mm-hmm. uh, is at least as far as I think it works is you need something or, or it's it's good if you have something that is so huge that it's not gonna like if a player hits it with a lightning bolt it's gonna like scratch its ass and be like huh what was that you know. I mean, it's meant for you can put it on any monster. That's like the the beauty of this. Like he even gives examples of like you want to put it on a dragon, works perfectly. You know, we all we all watch the Hobbit movies. We know what happens. But like, what if you want to put it on something else, like a beholder? And it's like, oh, you can make one of its eyes or um, a lich. You know, make it's wearing its phylactery or something. You know, like he gives a couple of different examples of like how to implement it on any monster and. Like, this is just one other option. Just, you know, you don't have to use it. Uh, I've used this one, uh, you know, I think twice now or at least three times. Uh, I also like using there's the Z Bashu video he did on making monsters more Witcher like. Yes, that one also is pretty decent for boss monster builds where it's like. You know, again, the 5e math is fucky wucky. So you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. I take the average party, do that. That's your CR. Give it you know, a bunch of resistances and vulnerabilities. Make sure it has a weakness or two. You know, that's also pretty, pretty easy, pretty fun. And then as a DM, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm you know, it's challenging and it's fun for me to run. And it's, it's going to scare the players, but it's not like I'm throwing an impossible task at them like a dickhead. 
One thing I wanted to say. Oh. I, I wasn't saying that your your method was didn't work. That's I, I'm sorry if it came off that way. Uh, I, I oh, guess no, no, I meant no, like no, the, in my no, head. I, didn't, I feel yeah. like that system works the best in the Shadow of Colossus style. It's just too big to notice you. At least for oh, low level, yeah, right? No, I can, you have something that like no, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't taking it that way. No, I just yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking about it like mm. if the players are lower level, which I think again, I think that's when it works its best. Uh, they probably don't have a lot of mm. hit points to keep to like go several rounds making those checks. Like I would almost keep it out of combat, technically speaking, uh, until they've figured out what the weak point is. And then once they figure out what that is, then combat starts. And then, you know, if if it's like a Colossus, like in Shadow of the Colossus, it smacks them once yeah. and does like three quarters of their health. And now they're like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that's I for me. That's how I always envision it working. I know you haven't played Baldur's Gate, but have you heard of the the whole golem fight thing? Isaiah? Oh, I have. I, I I got to experience it through okay. Josh, and it it's it was very oh, funny have? to listen okay. to. <laughs> I fucking I, I hate that fight. I, I have it. thought of like four it. or five different ways to do a fight similar to that in my game, and every time I I get to a moment where I'm like, I could do the fight here. But it also seems really annoying. Bro, that fight is... <laughs> God, that fight's so aggravating. Mostly because of the golem having damage resistance everything. I think that's honestly one it's of like the It's like damage part. immunity, damage it's resistance, way too much to a fucking health. shitload of stuff and resistant to everything but bludgeoning damage. It's... Yeah. Really, and it's well, got like, a ton I, of health and... Yeah. The lava well, like turning the, off all the time. It's just... Yeah. No. Well, I like the idea of, like, you have to... Activate the lore to weaken it. Then you have to. Then you have to lure it to the area, and then you trap it. And then it's like, okay. And then do it two two more times, and you're like, fuck, or three three times. And you're like, fuck. <sighs> so like that is annoying. But like the initial idea of like this fight is nearly impossible, but there is a way to cheese it or not cheese it, but there is a way that the developers put in to make it like a one shot hit. It's not. A one. I think it's that's not super a one shot. cool. Well, I, I'm I'm saying like if you were to implement in your games, oh, you could make you it can, a one shot in your game, sure. Yeah, but it's definitely yeah, not Baldur's Gate. No, no, no. But like you can make it a one shot in your game, or not even a one shot. You could just have it that like the boss seems super impossible to feed. Your players are scared. Whatever they activate the lava, they lure it to the area, it gets smushed, and now it's I don't know, if I'm using the Umber Hulk as an example. Now it's just Carabas is fucking destroyed, and now it's just a weird naked Umber Hulk, and you're like, oh, he's weak now. We can do damage to it. Let's go. And you know, and then you have a semi normal Umber Hulk fight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, having like environmental stuff that fucks with the fight can be fun. Um, in terms of fights that I, I I think went decently well, I mean I don't know. I guess probably the the ancient sapphire dragon fight, who was also a shadow dragon, but nice. I didn't really do anything for that fight. I was just running the monster as is, and just the stat block had enough stuff going on that it was relatively interesting. Like I can't think of any fight where I really added anything super interesting to it. I mostly mm -hmm. just used something that was already there that worked out decently well. Yeah, I mean, but that's fine. I mean, like, if yeah, the, the I was monster say, worked, it could be a memorable fight. Like, all right, what were you gonna say? Is it my bad? No, go on. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that was it. That was all I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, oh, I was gonna say. I think there is absolutely something to say about 
people just running the fight as is. I think a lot of DMs either think they know better, because I've seen this before online, people being like, well, I had to do something to make the fight interesting. It's like, you like don't though. Like, I think a lot of people think they know better than the rules. And I think if you just run the fight orthodox, I think there's plenty of interest that can come out of that, right? Like, it, the game was designed by professionals with a certain feeling in mind. Maybe once mm. in a while, I'll take their word for it. And I know I have to practice what I preach on this. Absolutely. I'm aware. Oh, but I think it is still worth mentioning. Okay, well, since we have both sides of the aisle in this scenario, Isaiah, is there any fight that stood out to you on your side of the table, stood out to you in my current campaign? I like, is there one that you were like, that was the good one? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I liked Baragon a lot. Lion dude. Oh, (laughs) the Leonin Admiral. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like, because I liked the whole shut down the things affecting the gate. And that was really what made him difficult because me and, uh, you know, me and Sam had, you know, dealing rough, like, Sam dealt more damage than me, obviously, and and Kai does damage, but not in, like, close range. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having to, like, take down the... the I can't remember what they were, specifically. He was creating portals that were summoning more minions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, him going after Kai and Zephyr. So us being like, guys, the squishies are getting mauled. What do we do? Uh, And he would just punch it faster and harder. And then once those went down, we kind of... We were able to do the thing I, I like, which is... Okay, we've engaged with the interesting mechanic. Time for the bully beatdown. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So well, I think that one worked particularly well. I liked. What was the. It's funny you say that because Dragon the whole, worked well. The teleporting around situation, uh, I added that. <laughs> oh. That, that was my idea, enough. whole cloth. I also liked Letham's fight. Uh, I liked. I like it when it, the boss is just you but cooler you know like let him it's was just funny. a dude who he was literally enough, was like seven feet tall but well he was literally a lich stat block straight up he was an but he was like engaging lich. all of us in close range and he was taking I licks mean, yeah. yeah but like the fact it felt like from my side of the table it, we, he was literally just fucking Hassan of the mountain because you know that was his <laughs> <laughs> it felt like we were fighting Hassan of the mountain from fate um, interesting okay and then you know tanking the disintegrate was like a fucking high point for me because it was like ah this is nice. what I want like, this character was built for I'm doing my <laughs> thing yep. every time I get to do shit like that I'm like yeah. that's why <laughs> that's literally why I took the fucking epic boon to just tank shit right <laughs> yeah okay yeah. interesting I can do the the smite me Zeus you don't have the balls it gets hit by lightning <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Have y'all seen that picture or that video? No. It's a dude outside holding a shovel. He's like, go on, Zeus. Strike me down. You don't have the balls. And then he gets struck by lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is it the one where the camera just cuts as soon as he gets struck because he's holding his phone? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He was holding a shovel or something, pointing it straight up in a thunderstorm. Yep, yep. Stupid and nonsense. It's like, you know like, what? I don't necessarily believe in higher power, but that feels like divine retribution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, I haven't had a sacrifice in uh, a decent while. <laughs> yeah, dull it. 
Um, yeah, so you're saying mm. so the, those were interesting because you had to engage with the specific mechanic and then once you sort of solved the problem, you could slap them around. Yes, and I think I think mm. a big thing with engaging with the mechanic is, and this is not easy, I'm not saying it's easy, but making your mechanic not uh, annoying. A, a ta- yeah, some, a task, but not an annoying task. Because mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I don't even think I've done that as at very well at times. I would say at least two thirds of the time, I'm like after the boss fight, I'm excited that I did the mechanic, but I'm aware that it like likely did not work out as well as I kind of wanted it to, even if it worked out okay, you know? Mm. Right. Yeah, I had that a lot in three year game for a while too. Yeah, I mean. That's one of the reasons the the Grim Forge fight in Baldur's Gate 3 is annoying because constantly having to keep that fucker in the lava gets aggravating real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's definitely a thing where having the weird specific mechanic become aggravating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fine line, fine line. I think it, it has to... I think the trick to not making it aggravating is that it can't be something that feels tedious. Like, Mm. ah, make sure to pull the lever every couple of turns or like make sure to keep the boss in this very specific spot. Like anything that's kind of like tedious, like you're just sort of nudging a bar one way or the other. I think that's usually when they get annoying. Yeah, I agree. That's just mm. off the top of my head, of course. But yeah, <laughs> I think for for oh, uh, you know what? I'll, I kind of want to do both. Not only for like time's sake, but now I'm kind of interested. Is there any <laughs> boss fights where you think you could have done the mechanic better, or you kind of wonder like mm, it worked, but like not as well as I wanted it to, or not exactly the way I wanted it to? Because how well it is, it's kind of subjective, person person like. But it didn't work out the way you thought it would. Um, hmm. could have done the mechanic better. Oh, um, <laughs> in I now have to remember. Am I misconstruing <laughs> fights here? Hold on. Um, yeah, so in the fight with the ancient Sapphire Shadow Dragon, um, Sapphire Dragons have the ability to burrow, uh, because they're like subterranean. And I feel like I underutilized some of the stuff he could do because he had a couple of abilities relative that were like related to the burrowing thing. And I think I kind of underutilized that. And I think that came down to because the like place, the area you guys were fighting him, I couldn't fully utilize it in a way that made it particularly threatening. Like it was just kind of annoying. Like he burrowed out of the way a couple of times, but it was just kind of annoying. It, it wasn't like a threatening thing. Uh, so I think that that that's a pretty good example of like that. I, I could have executed on that plan a little bit better. Um, but the map was sort of not on my side in that particular scenario. 
and I didn't think about it until you know what I didn't think about it until it was happening and I was like oh yeah should have planned this slightly differently yeah it's like the mean annoying thing about like dragons and caves it's like unless you make the cave big uh you kind of are gimping well, the no, dragon a little well, bit no. a little flight sapphire dragons are supposed to be in caves they are subterranean dragons that's their whole thing no no i'm just saying unless you make the cave like bigger you know no the cave was big general. enough for him to fly that wasn't the problem oh. the problem was he has a burrowing that he has these burrowing abilities but the area was really open so he couldn't really do anything particularly interesting with the burrowing like mm. there was no like he couldn't like there wasn't really any spots where he could like burrow into a like wall or something nearby and then pop out another nearby wall to like get someone from behind or something like the area was sort of too open it was, right. yeah, it was like a chasm yeah okay. so it, it didn't it, i could i didn't and i didn't think about that so i i ended up not being able to like utilize some of his kit fully yeah because just done like uh Pokemon, like he digs underground, you you wait a turn. Everyone's like, "Yeah, right, but prepare see, your actions." See, but that's the thing. I did that, and it was just kind of annoying. Like it wasn't interesting because oh. <laughs> I did do that, but yeah, it wasn't like particularly exciting. Yeah, it, it's similar to what I did with the giant bat, where it's it's because they're in like total darkness that no light can pierce. Um, I had one character with the highest perception make perception checks to point where the monster was out and then everyone else either took the dodge or readied in action. Uh, that's like, yeah, that's something you got to really like hone in on and sort of bet the whole like race around mm-hmm. or else I feel like it gets weird. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think if there's mm-hmm. any there. By the way, that's my answer for one I think went well was the bat that worked yeah. fantastic. Fair enough, fair mm-hmm. enough. I think if there's another example of me sort of like underutilizing a thing. There definitely is. It's just nothing's coming to me. Oh, I tried to use the hit the hit the weak point for massive damage thing and totally fucked it up. Just didn't. What happened? Just did not execute that one at all. It just became a non-issue for the players. What? Uh, I guess what happened to making a non-issue? With the Talos. <laughs> Remember? Oh, yeah, I can see that. You had to, like, yeah. hit his core, but between the griffins and stuff, it just became, like, a non-issue, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, we can deal with that. Yeah, it was just too easy to hit the weak point in question, mm. and it just became, like, hitting him normally, so it totally went out the window. I don't know so, exactly you know, what as, I as would a player, done, but, yeah. As a player, the thing that kind of got me with that fight was because we were in the air flying, I had sort of lost track of, is it a positioning-based thing? Right, because I remember, you remember I tried to, like jumping on it, thinking I could get in, but I couldn't. Yeah. And that that's really, it was it was the positioning that, that sort of caught me off guard. I think it, it yeah, I don't even know if I can give advice on that one, because I don't know what I would have done. I think it, it wasn't I, bad, but I, there was something there. I don't remember exactly what my plan was either. Like, I think I had a slightly different idea before I did it. And that, that, that got fucky wucky too. So like, it was a whole thing. Yeah. It just, I, I just, I had an idea and then flubbed the execution quite a bit to the point where afterward I was like, ah, that that didn't even, uh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, 
I'm trying to remember because there was so many from the three-year game. I think the I think the saddest boss fight was definitely that rogue boss I mentioned, the one where like the players just banished it for a turn. Didn't even really get the fight. Yeah. Yeah, that is that's tough. Um sure. Uh what else? I'm trying to God, I'm I'm trying to remember the three year video. There's there's too there's too many. There's too many fights in there <laughs> probably talked about. Yeah, right. That's the other problem. Long campaign. Yeah. You're like, I've done uh, so many boss fights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of have, yeah. honestly. And it's one of the things my players actually do like. So I'm kind of like, OK, I'll just uh, I keep doing it. Um, I do want to do because I haven't done it since the the first time, the multiple monster phases for one creature. Like where was the frost giant and the frost giant would rage and then turn to a dragon. I haven't done that since that one fight years ago. And I keep going back and I'm like, I want to do that again, but I haven't found like the right story or monster to do it with. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, think maybe I'll just save for the BBG of this campaign. I don't know. Hmm? I, was gonna, I think What'd it's a fascinating Sorry. idea. Yeah. Because, like, again, I got the idea initially from Dragon Ball Z. Because I'm like, oh, well, Frieza went from being, like, you know, first form, then second form, and then we don't talk about third form, and then the final form. And then the final, final form, where he's, like, roided up. And then and then Robot Frieza. And then Golden Frieza. And then now, you know, and then we I have Black Frieza. I think I'll call it Golden Frieza. <laughs> like, the, the, the monsters having different phases idea made sense to me but like i just assumed like oh i'll just take a stat block and like it's either a you can buff it up or b find a similar s stat block which again now and i mentioned a couple weeks ago where it's like nowadays like there's like 10 different fucking frost giant stat blocks i can fucking pick galore from so i'm like oh this is great um yeah i haven't found anything similar to that like i guess in the magic school campaign like i have a couple ideas but nothing like super concrete yet but that is i don't know yeah other phases besides adding mythic actions like i don't know even even if you're like really low level like you can kind of do this like let's say there's a fucking i don't know you're fighting a, a goblin boss they're like what cr1 and it just pulls oh, out up? this like i don't know ancient fucking like potion and it, it drinks the potion, transforms into another monster. And then halfway through the fight, it transforms into an... Oh, wait, actually, no. I'm sorry. I did do this recently. In uh, in Fizzbands, there's a dragon called the... Or there's a monster called the Dragon Flesh... Uh, oh, what is it called? Dragon Flesh Grafter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's basically, what if a human grafts a yes. dragon yeah, yeah, yeah. part onto their body and mutates them? And there's two phases. There's two like, you know, stat blocks. There's the one where it's like I'm semi humanoid, but and I have like a dragon arm or a dragon tail or whatever. And then there's, you know, that that one dog girl from Full Metal Alchemist where it's like, I'm no help me, uh, Rick. Oh, I'm fucking I'm half dragon now. And it's like, oh, oh, you poor child. I have to put you down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh and so I, I my players that was actually the the the, fir the first boss fight of the Strixhaven campaign actually it was the end of like when they hit level four or five I used that thing and then once they beat like the first form they're like all right we did it he's gone and then he transformed into like the horrifying dragon monstrosity and you're like 
surely Matt won't throw a dragon at us at level four. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it technically wasn't a dragon. True, it's not. Oh, no, I was in the clear. <laughs> surely, surely he won't do it again. <laughs> Oh, uh, I love, I love, uh, <laughs> I love right now. We're literally there right, in a uh, lair. Before we go any further, oh. <laughs> huh? What? I was saying what? before we go any further, like, we could just take a quick pause. Pause. Uh, yes. For everybody who's listening, you won't, you won't notice a damn thing. But uh, anyway, sorry about that, y'all. Uh, was I? Oh, Matt was saying something, and that's forgotten. So, yeah. Damn it. Had a had a but, little fucky wucky. Uh, uh, but it's all good now. It's all good. Is it, Matt? Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you remember what you were saying? Nope. Then how all is sides. it? Then how is it all good? All right. Anyways, one other aspect of boss fights I'd like uh-huh. to talk about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go ahead, oh. Matt. What would you like to talk about? Yeah. How, what's, <laughs> how do? You... <laughs> uh, action economy. Uh, this is the biggest thing I've had to learn I as a DM like because economy. Uh, Yes, action economy. Yeah. No, economy is bad. No, your face is bad. Anyways, <laughs> the action economy, uh, especially someone who has six players. If I throw one boss out there and it doesn't have like enough actions, it's just going to get melted. And yes, you can kind of help that out by throwing minions and you know, environmental stuff. But like, you know, giving monsters more things to do on their turn against more players can help you know giving them bonus actions reactions you know if you don't want to fully give them legendary actions you can give them minor like villain actions or whatever from the mcdm thing the action oriented stuff um yeah i mean i i would definitely say if you're fighting a boss like mm-hmm. one boss you have to make sure they have it, my rule of thumb is they have as many actions per round not per turn per round as there are players or close. Yeah. I think if you, if you want to like lighten it up on the boss fight, do, you know, half as many players plus one. Mm. Um, so like when they fought the giant Kraken thing in my game, there's six of them. It does uh, two to three attacks per turn, depending on what it's doing. And it has two to three attacks per turn. And it's legendary actions again, depending on what it's doing. But if it's just going to go the most basic option and whack each person with a tentacle, it's got six of those total. One for everybody. Yeah, one for everybody. And if you want, like, that way, what I've learned is, um, and it's kind of what I was talking about the last time I was hosting, right, where the cool thing about a dragon having three just straight-up damage attacks is that due to the different die type, uh, to die type and number, you can sort of guesstimate roughly how much damage is going to come out of that. So if you are trying to, you know, take it a little bit more easy on an, on your party and you have an attack that does a max of like 30 damage versus a max of like 18 damage, you're probably going to do that max of 18 damage on one of the weaker players and hit the characters with more health for the bigger damage because they can take it, you know? We take a moment to appreciate that Isaiah just explained how averages work in a way more complicated way. I was... I was going to ask you if you ever used averages <laughs> Average. for monsters. That's then. what Isaiah was saying. Yes, averages. No. <laughs> Same. Honestly. Uh, no, I, I've not used averages. I've, there's a part of me that wants to use averages, but I also... I like I like, this, I like the swinginess yeah. of damage. Yeah. Yeah, I think the issue is, like, if you do... So I think you can do averages for, like, 
minions, right? Smaller oh. stuff. But if you start doing averages for boss fights, you take the swinginess away. I think you need a level of swinginess to make the fight interesting. Mm. And people are just going to be like, okay, he hits you. It's like, oh, okay, so I'm just going to mark down 18 damage again. Oh, he hits me again. Okay, cool, 18 damage. It sort of gets rid of the like, oh, wow, he actually rolled pretty low. And the players have that like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Or inversely, it's like, so he crit and everyone just kind of goes, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> You're there just like, sorry, bud. Yeah. Yes, Matt, sorry. You I, I, Before I went on this tangent, you were talking about action. No, that was it. That was basically just, yeah, you have monsters, multiple actions, legendary actions if you want. Uh, I know Wizards have been making and actually other third party companies have been doing this too, where they they won't give monsters full like legendary actions. Although give them like one or two legendary actions to do on a turn. Uh, there's a monster actually from the uh, what's that show called? The Netflix one. Fuck Stranger Things. Uh, the Thessal Hydra, whatever, which is an old, old edition D&D monster that they updated for that adventure specifically. It's like a CR4 creature. It's not even strong. But it has, they give it legendary actions and it's like, you know, one is just a bite attack and the other is move. It's like simple things like that can, you know, help out. So you can even give a, a low level monster, like some legendary actions and it'll, it'll help. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think, th it's, I think it's a good way of doing lower level boss fights. Yes, I think lower level monsters. Absolutely. There should be more legendary actions divvied out to lower level monsters. Yeah. Although now if they're getting rid of them. Now you're going to have the goblin boss with like 18 reactions. I mean, I guess that kind of works, too. Sure. Yeah. Well, like, I feel like with, yeah. the, with that, it's it makes the monsters more reactive than like, all right, at the end of your turn, then I as the DM can now do something fun. It's like I have to wait for something to happen so that I can do something. And I kind of am like. I guess I'll just sit here and uh, I'll wait. <laughs> like the goblin boss has his cool self-destruct ability, but only when he takes fire damage. For G Willikers, mister, I really hope someone fucking hits him with fire damage. Like the like the red dragonborn. Willikers, mister. I hope, uh, yeah. really hope you hit Teddy with some fire damage. Ha ha. He's mm -hmm. coming for you. I was. <laughs> this is unrelated, but. Uh, oh, yeah, wait, Christmas. Josh! What? <gasps> oh, sorry, what were you gonna say, Isaiah? My bad. Oh, it's fine. I was gonna say, uh, uh, you did the, the Mickey thing, and I remember on Christmas, I got, like, every, everyone in my family one thing each because I was broke as fuck this year, but. Mm. Um, if I wanted someone to pick the present I got them, I'm like, you should have the big blue one, huh? <laughs> people would just start fucking <laughs> <dying>. <laughs> Nice, nice. I, I was about to say, Josh, we could use Steamboat Willie now. You just gotta have Steamboat Willie, but he's holding a giant D20 for the thumbnail. There you go. Genius. Why? I don't know. Why? Steamboat Willie's a boss <laughs> fight. I don't know. <laughs> Is he? I don't know. We, listen, we could use it now. He's free. He's public Honestly, domain. Honestly, we probably could have used him before. It's a fucking th YouTube thumbnail. Who cares? <laughs> Nobody obeys copyright laws for YouTube thumbnails. Nice. Oh wait, shit! I forgot. I would. I yeah. forgot to bring up the the fight that I think I flubbed horribly. Yeah. Mm. 
for me, that fight was a uh, honestly, it was the final fight of like the big war arc thing that I had going on. Not with the bandit dude, but with the with Gariel, <laughs> the big croc guy. Because like I, and I don't really know what I could have done because they had just come off the back of like a really like action-packed sort of end of Mad Max style fight and then did another one which is the actual ending and I, I think the only option I had there was just to not put two boss fights right after the other in the final arc and expect the latter one to be as cool you know because it was like I think as a if it was a standard boss fight because he didn't have anything like super crazy about him he had like a minigun uh like cone uh, attack that he had and then he just had a lot of attacks but there was nothing like although i guess he yeah he had like a weak point for extra damage and if they had like done enough damage to that thing it it like nerfed him really hard but it just i don't know maybe it's it's just the opposite of rose tinted goggles i'm like i'm like this is just bad it's not as cool as the other one I, I mean, like, if you're gonna have two boss fights, sort of one after the other, one is gonna be cooler than the other. You know, that's just yeah, it's impossible not to do that. But I do think there's something to be said for like having here's the first boss fight that's sort of complicated and there's weird stuff going on, and I came up with some unique mechanics, yada yada yada. And now here's the the boss fight right after it. That's like sort of the uh, you know the the here's the victory lap boss fight where you just get to pound his face into the dirt and feel good about yourself, you know? Because true, true. There's a lot of said about that. A lot of video game RPGs do that. I mean, the the first example I think of is Final Fantasy X, where technically the final boss that you fight is Yu Yevin. But really, Jekt is the final boss because he's the actual fight that you have to like pay attention. The Yu Yevin boss fight, you just kind of clown on that nerd just to feel good about yourself at the end, you know? True. So I think True. there's something to be said for that idea of first boss complicated, second boss just punch him in the nads. Mm. I think that's kind of fun. Could, I'm Lord, take his balls. That could be cool. Yeah, take his balls. <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, it's weird. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it like that. I think there's some fun in that idea. When it comes to the second phase, like idea, are you guys yay or nay on the whole like mythic action thing? Yeah, I like, love that shit. Did? It's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I just, it, I think you can't overuse it. I think it's a very specific kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, like every, I said, every uh, other dude can't have a mythic face. No. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the thing that I said the other day, uh, if you if you have a boss that you want to have a second phase, and you don't want to like just give everything mythic the tactic of phase two like you just don't use some parts of the character sheet or like for example a dragon if you want to do a really interesting lower level dragon fight don't have it use its breath weapon until fate until half left until, until like it's blood. yeah it's half mm -hmm. hp yeah it's still blood yeah this the thing with mythic phases or mythic actions and the phase two and the phase, even in video games, the phase change, right? The whole point, they're all doing or unlocking a specific, ability. they're all doing the same thing, which is adding novelty to the boss fight that you've been doing for a little while, right? We mm. fought this boss for three to four rounds. It's starting to get stale. Then you go, 
ah, here's a phase two. I have now changed up what was going on before. Now it's interesting again because we have reintroduced novelty. Things have changed. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week. Not that Isaiah was here, but about the idea of like keeping things interesting by having continuous change and keeping things sort of volatile and all over the place. Yeah. It's the same idea. You know, you're re- you're introducing novelty into a situation that was starting to lack it. So hmm. how you go about it doesn't really matter. You could go about it a bazillion different ways. At the core of it, it's changing up what's have it, what's going on and reintroducing novelty so that the interest is now re-peaked from where hmm. it was before because things have started to get too stale and samey. You know, like, and as long as you keep that focus, that singular idea in the back of your head of that reintroduce of introducing novelty, you could go about it pretty much any way you want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mythic actions works, bloodied abilities. Oh yeah, swapping I told- out the type of monster for a different monster, like all that shit. Yeah, I told you guys about the uh, the PDFs I got from uh, DMs Guild. Some. Um- some creator made basically has been going through every 5e book and giving each monster bloody conditions and shit and i've i've used them a couple of times in the strict saving game yeah because they're Great. a fun little you know they're they're a fun way yeah. to execute on that idea and also bloody uh, giving a monster or an enemy of any kind you know giving <laughs> an enemy a singular new ability is it's a good way to tune that dial right like at level 10, you fight a big boss monster and they hit phase two and they get like three or four crazy new abilities. At level five, they get one new ability or whatever because, you know, you don't want to go as crazy. So they just unlock one thing. And it's still that's still enough of a novelty that it should pique the interest a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. is it going to be as exciting as like multiple new abilities? Not necessarily, but it's still something. And I think at lower level, it's OK if it's not as crazy. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to have players who are learning and stuff. So, yeah. It's all about... Mon- mono- I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in regards to the tabletop world. Monotony is really just the enemy of the hobby in general. As, as well as many yeah. other things. Like, I think video games, monotony is the enemy too. But, you know, you'll hear people always... What's, what's one of the number one damning things you hear from someone when they're saying how much they dislike a game? They're like, oh, it's so repetitive. People say that all the time. Oh, I hate the new Assassin's Creed games. They're really repetitive, right? Mm. It, it really is. It's monotony, right? Like the monotonous nature of it is the enemy. And I think when it comes to tabletop, because because we have the power, right? With a video game, it's hard. You're going to have a degree of monotony. You're going to have a degree of repetitiveness. It's impossible not to because it's a video game. You have to, you know, you have to pre-make everything ahead of time. But tabletop is ever-changing, ever-ephemeral, as I keep using lately. We have this ability to just on the fly be like, all right, now I'm going to introduce something else. So we need to use that power that we have in as GM and player side, right? Because of the ephemeralness, because of the, the strange way in which we play tabletop games, which is to say we all collectively hallucinate with each other and agree on this very weird 
philosophical secondary universe and create our own matrix, you could get into a very weird rabbit hole about the idea of tabletop and how it's actually quite strange. Um, mm. But because we have that power over this shared hallucination universe we're creating, we can deal with that monotony problem quite easily. So I think that should always be one of your number one priorities. And you look at you like, why is my game feel boring? Oh, we've been doing the same thing for a really long time. All right, time to change it up. Like that's mm. almost always going to be the answer in some fashion. Now, how you do the change up, that's where it's hard, right? Like it's easy to say, oh, just, just, you know, change it up. That's easy to say how you actually do that. That's the tricky part. <laughs> But as long as you, yeah, look, as long as you have you. a target to go for, that helps. You know, it gives you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me tell you, my biggest thing for sure when I'm running that like kills me is when I don't have a set objective for the players to go after. Yeah, and like when things are up to them, and and I do leave it up to them a good amount of time because I don't want to feel like I'm just constantly dragging them by their coattails. And there's that like. What do we want to do? And I, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm drowning because I'm just like, uh, right. I and hate, like, I'm gonna have one of those sessions tomorrow, and it's, it's like killing me. Well, and the monotony in that scenario is the fact that everyone's sitting around looking at each other, trying to like come up with ideas or saying little random offhand things, right? So like. The repetitiveness is that we're all sort of trying to do the same thing without a clear goal or whatever. Yeah, it's like an aimlessness. It's, um... Yeah, I... Now I'm sounding... Now now I'm doing that thing where you say a word too many times, so I I said monotonous so many times, and now it doesn't sound like a fucking word anymore. Yeah, now it just doesn't have any meaning anymore. Yeah, Yeah. I hate that (laughs) shit, god damn it. But... It's it, you know what's funny too is you can you can tease it out even further because you can have monotony in uh, the how often you use a word. Wow, wow. Um, you can have <laughs> monotony in the style of speech. You can have monotony in the way you start every session. Right, like you could it can you can it can creep into everywhere and. You know, sometimes it's been, the funny thing is sometimes, you know, a lot of the time it's bad. There are certain scenarios where you actually want to have repetitiveness because it's like a it's it's a it's a grounding thing. You know, it's that idea of every, you know, like we joke about it. But every time the announcer says last time on Dragon Ball Z, what happens subconsciously is your brain clicks into it's Dragon Ball Z time. We are now doing the Dragon Ball Z thing because you do it every time. So you get into that mode. You're like, I am now in Dragon Ball Z mode. You like get ready for it just from that one phrase. So there's situations where the repetitiveness is good. In, But when it comes to boss fights, the overarching idea of the boss fight, you don't want to get repetitive. But then at the same, oh, oh, huh, my brain's going in a lot of directions because at the same time, initiative is a very repetitive concept. But I would say initiative is a good form of repetitive because you when you say, OK, everybody roll initiative. It's a very specific indicator of we're now switching modes into this 
part of the game. We're doing this thing now. And that's that's a good okay. You know what? Somebody get me. Somebody stop me. I don't know. I, getting too deep. It's getting yeah, too deep. I'm getting. I'm thinking it well because I'm thinking about it more and more, and I'm like, oh, you know. And I'm thinking about how like anime openings are literally that, right? Like every time the opening starts, your brain goes, oh, oh it's anime time. Hey, somebody get me out of here. Uh, all right. <laughs> Take me somewhere else. Take me somewhere else. I mean, I, I'm pr- I think I've said kind of all I uh, all I've had to say about boss fights. Like, uh, I think I sort of get myself by talking about it a lot last like a little I was bit. like, oh, I'm going to touch yeah. on this the other yeah. episode. Yeah. And I talked about it for like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very nuanced thing. I mean, I guess all of tabletop is a nuanced thing, but something about the boss fight feels particularly nuanced in a way I don't know in a in a sort of unique way and there is no one answer no but I think it's good to identify a north star for yourself if you will like a a a, a guiding target to be always sort of aiming towards mm. which is why I was saying that that idea of keep the monotony away is sort of a good guiding target if you will yeah i'm never gonna say this word ever again <laughs> after today yeah. um monotony uh, <laughs> yes yeah i guess, I guess, I guess i'll just i'll just add just as an ending always remember like you know you can tweak creatures and bosses like you can there's uh you know, different dials we can turn like you can always adjust the HP the AC how many actions it gets movement you know and you could do it on the fly in combat you could just change shit and you can make you know yeah make combat more interesting or maybe if you overclock the fight you can always you know tune it back a little bit you know if the players do something uh, and, oh yeah uh, for sure it is, it is something that, it, that can be kept very malleable and uh, allows you to sort of update on the fly if things are not going according to plan. If it is becoming yeah. really monotonous, you have the and ability to throw a, like, a spanner into the works. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, and besides that, you know, give your boss, it's a boss, give it a personality. Like, even if it's, <laughs> yes. it's only... <laughs> Don't make the them dude, only, big guy. Yeah. Even if they only met the thing, like, this session, you know, have, make it quirky, make it evil, like, whatever, like, Make it a villain. Make it a character, and you know, have it say some funny lines or quotes or whatever, and the players will be like, "Oh, I love that guy," and then they'll <laughs> stomp its, you know, kick its head in. Yeah, I uh, love that um, guy. He proceeds to kick head in. Yeah. <laughs> Jojo stomps him, <laughs> drinks wine. <laughs> yeah. The Passione beatdown. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned the just tweak the numbers on the fly. I. Uh, I still feel so conflicted about that. See, the the, the majority, and I've, I've mentioned this multiple times, the only things I really fudge, air quotes, or tweak, most of the time is health. If I feel like a fight's going on yeah, a no, little no. too long, you know, I'll, I'll take a little bit of health off. If I feel like my players, uh, you know, I this thing, you know, I want it to survive maybe one more round of combat, I'll fucking just, you know, add some health to it or whatever. But like, I haven't actually necessarily done that in a little bit. 
even with the devil fight with the you know my buddy joe critting the thing like two or three fucking times attacking it while prone he did 75 percent of the monster's health and i was just like well that's hilarious <laughs> like i just gotta dealt with it <laughs> I, but uh yeah you can always you know tweak shit like you know oh you uh You've done so much damage to the boss that now it's bloodied. However, you its armor is cracked and chipped, so now its AC is lowered by five or whatever the fuck. Or I think. Oh no! You chopped off the monster's arm, so now it has one less attack or some shit. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think my problem is that once I've committed to the words and the math on the stat block, mm. I. I feel like I have to go through with it almost as like a science experiment. Like yeah. you can't like, no, you can't tweak the variables while you're doing the experiment. Then the experiment is invalid. You know, like, mm. yeah, I have this commitment. Like it needs to be the way it is. Cause I need to see what happens. I need to know what the outcome is. Mm, I can see it, which is probably not like, I don't know that I'm actually gaining anything out of doing that, but I feel like I should do it. I mean, the issue is, right, is I think the the variables themselves, I think, is the players. I think the boss is the control, right? Because the boss is something that you have utter control over. Whereas the independent variable is the thing that you don't control being the players. Well, but if so I think it's OK to. to uh, to alter your control based on the monkey wrench that is your players and party. But you but then it's not a control anymore. Like you literally you literally can't alter a control. That's why it's a control. Right? Like when you're doing an experiment, the control has to stay static for it to be an effective control. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. The, the the boss would be you. I guess you're the control, and therefore the boss would be your dependent variable, which is the thing that you shift in time with the dependent variable based on the outcomes. Yeah, but I I I I. This feels like a weird rabbit hole that I don't know that we should go down. <laughs> like I don't know. I I. It's like I want to keep the boss the way I committed to it beforehand because I want to see what happens as a lesson for the future. You know, like whether it's good or bad, I can look at it and go, all right, the lesson was learned. And I feel like if I fuck with it mid fight, I'm perhaps diluting the lesson that I could potentially get out of it. It could also be course correcting mid fight. Like you're like you you see the problem with this initially, and you're like, all right, well, if I just do this one quick adjustment mid fight, then the rest is you know the rest will go a lot smoother, and like all right, you still have the whole oh, what did we learn today? And then for the future, you can you know improve on that. Yeah, I was gonna say I, yeah. I, I don't think that you necessarily need to see a fight to its conclusion to have learned a lesson from it. I think there's a lot of things that it like become apparent in the first round, if not the second, on how things are going to go. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, know. you don't have to, but it's, you know. Just, it just doesn't, it just feels wrong. I don't know. I don't like tweaking those numbers in the background. 
thing. It's a weird thing. Is it? Is it? Because uh, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but I don't think we've ever keyed in. Is it? Do you, is it because you might not like you wouldn't like it if the numbers were tweaked on you if you were in a party? Um. I mean, if I don't know, it's like I, I don't care. Right. And like you wouldn't you probably wouldn't say anything. But would I be annoyed if I found out? I mean, I guess it depends on the reason. Because if if my GM says, oh, I turned, you know, I, I I lowered the boss's HP and made them die faster because I was just getting really bored and I was tired and I just didn't want to deal with it. I might be a little annoyed with that, but if they said, oh, I lowered their HP because I realized that I way overcranked the damage and I actually did the math wrong, and so it was it was sort of it was not a situation I had intended for. I'm less annoyed about that because okay, mm. you were prepping and then you fucked up the math and you didn't realize and you know that 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 bothers me less. So I guess it kind of depends on why. But mm. I try to avoid I guess I try to avoid it as much as possible because yeah, to, I, I want to avoid that situation where I fucked with the numbers behind the scenes and then I didn't do it for, like, a good reason. Like, I did it in the moment and then the players are like, I wish you didn't do that. And I'm like, ah, shit. I guess that's <laughs> what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I think the same. It, it works both ways, though, right? If, like, you don't tell the players that you fucked with the numbers. Sure. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> feel like i would though if any i feel like i feel like every time i if i do ever do something like that i'm gonna say something <laughs> i don't know i mean yeah i i don't know if i could say i if i have anything for that, that that's just like a just fight for your life to not it's do like, well, it's yeah, like yeah, I feel, yeah. it, well it's like i feel guilty almost you know i get like a weird uh, guilt about it yeah but i mean it's for the benefit technically of the game for the players like you know, it is it's not a, thing mali- unless you're not, again, unless you're uh, being a bad DM and you're like, oh, no, they one shot my boss. Right, right. I guess I'll add 500 more health to right. it. It's like, not, no, fuck it. Yeah, you're yeah. not doing that. I'm not like, being malicious, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not committing to the agreed. It, it, I, I feel like I'm cheating the agreed hallucination. We all have the social <laughs> contract on this is how it works, and I'm now cheating mm. the contract by messing with the numbers. Like, <laughs> oh. when you're prepping, you are outside of the contract space. You are in a different dimension. You're doing things you know, in your own way. Once the session begins, you have locked back into the social constructs. You are back in the shared hallucination space. You must now abide by the rules that we are all abiding by. And if you don't, it feels like you're cheating. That feels weird. Uh Even if it's not malicious, it still feels like I'm doing something 
wrong. You know, it's like the it's like it's like when you're in the courtroom, you follow certain rules. And then you leave the courtroom, and now we don't need to follow all those rules necessarily. It's like I could do all the cocaine I want uh, now that I'm outside the, the public townhouse. Maybe not that, but you know, it's like it's the like a, just like standing right there brings you back inside. You're like, no way. Yeah, it's like you exist in a different space between session and during session, and I don't. This I mean, is not, a way. This is a, like. This is. I don't. I don't know that I can articulate this rabbit hole very well. I well. So I. I you're. I get what you're saying. I, I yeah. think for me, the thing is, is you as a human being are inherently flawed. So the idea that you're going to nail the right. The math you're not going to nail it every and time. The feel right. the vibe it's true. Yeah. From well, you're. I think you're. I don't think you're ever going to nail it. I like. Yeah. The, the idea that you got the like. I think on a subconscious level, there is um, an amount of shifting the things that you do in the middle of a fight, right? Like, you know, intrinsically, well, I'm not going to bully the fucking bard every fight, even though it's statistically the right thing to do, or strategically, it's the right thing to do to get the victory. You're not going to do that because it's not fun, right? So you're there's a level of that that you're already doing. The idea that you're always going to get the math right is, uh, it's just not. You know, <laughs> you're just not going to do it's it. It's true. Um, you're not. So I, I, I get not mad, but I get confused when I hear a more like firm and volatile version of that idea online where it's like, no, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, what if like me as a DM, if I'm thinking like, but what if I fucked up the players have to get TPK because I didn't do the math right. Mm. And if a DM tell if, if someone says that online, like, yep, that's what you have to do, I'd be like, you're a clown. I guess you are not a clown. You're, you're the entire circus. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I almost I, I I guess I feel like you need to wallow because it's true. You're not going to get it. I, I mean, you'll get it right sometimes. But yeah, it's true. You're not going to nail it every time. But I guess it's the idea that you need to wallow in that failure a little bit to make sense of it but at the same time by you wallowing in your failure you are indirectly making four other people wallow in your failure I mean it's not yeah, their see, fault that's, it's, which that's makes the thing it, that's exactly it mm, it's true that I'm like it's like it's like sure I can fuck up but if I like mm, the players didn't, didn't right, deserve to get TPK because I didn't yeah. do math right so like what the fuck Right, but then the social contract still sort of dictates that we're all obeying these this math that we're putting down because if you don't obey the math, what's the point of having the game there? Yeah, I'm not gonna get to a conclusion here. I don't have a conclusion. There is no, I'm this is, mm. yeah, I don't know. This is gonna bounce around in my head for a long time, probably. <laughs> Because, like, you're not wrong, but I don't know. Neither of us are as wrong as the problem here, I guess. No, I mean, yeah, neither of us are wrong. It's it's a sort of a question of philosophy at the end. It of is. The day. It is. That's yeah. the problem. We're getting uh, we're we're unintentionally getting real deep in the philosophy weeds, which was I did I wasn't planning on it, but here we are. Mm. Yeah. Edie, what Edie? Yeah, kinda, yeah. So, 
Huh. I mean, it is, I think it is a it is a very like poignant thing about boss fights, right? Is, is getting it right, and I and I well, think, yeah, um, because for me, boss fights is when it it becomes the most apparent. That's when it comes to the foreground the most. It's when yeah, you notice for it for sure, and it and I I sort of stand on you you getting it right is way more on you and your ability to control the situation. And I don't mean control as in like literally, well, okay, they're going to do this much damage. It's it's just your ability to to sort of guide the narrative. Is the that to me, that's the social contract. Because the social contract is I've I've come here, like we've all sort of gone together. I am trying to lay these paths out for you in an interesting and meaningful way. As far as I'm concerned, the math has it is a part of that, but it's a minor one. Because again, if you're going purely off the numbers, then you start getting into the statistics and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to focus down the bard and then I'm going to focus down the rogue because they, they, they've only got one reduction per turn. And there's no real point about going after the barbarian to the end because then he's got nothing to protect and no one to defend him when I start slamming him with saving throws, you know? And then if you do that, what the fuck is the point? You're just going to murk your party. So you're saying the, 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 the part of the social contract that is all of the players are agreeing to let me as the GM bring them on a fun ride supersedes all of the other aspects. It is more important. Ergo, you need to abide by it. If, if that, if the bring them on the fun ride part of the contract is threatened, you should prioritize it over the other stuff. Yes. To me, the, the bring them on a fun ride is the principle right it is the highest in the hierarchy it's the it's everything else is below that it's the first amendment subject to (laughs) yeah yeah and everything below that is subject to change and flow because if the players aren't having a good time there's literally no point to any of it you know yeah yourself too Uh you as the Uh player if you're not having like but Mm -hmm. right I right. can't imagine a situation outside of an RPG horror story where the DM is like having a great time. And the players are like, Fuck. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, generally that doesn't happen unless the GM is trying to be a shitlord and that's their fun. In which case <laughs> you need therapy, not, not D and D. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Yeah. Mm. That's an intriguing point that I hadn't necessarily thought about is that yeah the there's a there's a hierarchy on the rules of the contract yep but uh, yeah I mean it, it, that that does make sense I, I yeah mm, okay mm, mm, you perhaps you've convinced me <laughs> me sitting in my <laughs> you perhaps swayed me in a direction I don't know what I'm gonna do with this information but it it, but it, it, it makes sense theory uh, Oh, don't say that, Matt. Now I'm sad. No, he's gone, he's Matt. Gone. Don't bring now I, No, no. Now I'm sad about it. End of an era. You fucker. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> now that Matt has killed the vibe. Yeah. Abelard, throw him out the window. And smack, uh, Matt's, smack Matt's nuts off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. The, bailiff, blast his cock off. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay, as an aside, that one, Slap is Nuts is still the funniest version of that. Because it's the original and the classic. Okay. But Blast is Cockoff has to be. Close second. In, just, in terms of 
sheer originality. <laughs> Strong <laughs> second. Strong second. Cause you, yeah, cause, because it's you use very specific verbiage. It's not like, you know, bailiff, shoot him in the balls, or like, shoot him in the dick. It's blast his cock off. <laughs> <laughs> it evokes such mental imagery. It, it, it yes, S- very specific choice. Oh of my words. goodness! Yeah. yeah oh, fuck. Anyway, uh, Josh, tell them tell them the, the ending bit. You got it. Um, if you want to hear about more philosophical ramblings, follow us on Twitter so you know when a new episode is out went into a weird place. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Ed, what do you do? Anyway, that's that's been us. It's been sessions canceled. Yeah. Um, follow us next time for our ramblings on mini boss fights. Oh, actually, actually, hold on. Pause. Mm-hmm. Mini bosses is something that I think is worth talking about because oh, there's a fine line of like throwing something halfway into the dungeon just to just to just soften Isaiah, the players. We can't up, do right? this just now. To, Damn, we didn't even talk about minions, too. Fuck. Jot it down. Jot it down, I Next time. Boss 2. Notes for later. Notes for later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. That's us. That's us done. See you. Tell us in the comments. Uh, Do you put your your dong in vacuums? Do you use boss fights? Uh... Matt, what the fuck? Matt, blog off. You're done. You're done. (laughs)